the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, with thee I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Christ. Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This evening is our first Sunday in the season of Lent, which is a time of preparation for Holy Week and Easter, when Christ visits us. And it's a, it's a time where we, as I said to you last week, follow Christ out into the wilderness. Um, he himself was recapitulating the journey of Israel, and then we follow him as he prepares for his ministry, being ministered to by angels. In our New Testament lesson that was just read for us, St. Peter has been addressing the dispersed churches throughout the Roman Empire who are being being persecuted and ostracized for their faith in Christ. And he is enjoining them to maintain virtuous lives and continue in their hope in Christ and his kingship. And this portion that was read for us of Peter's letter is notoriously difficult to interpret. What does it mean that Jesus went and proclaimed the gospel to the spirits in prison? What does it mean that baptism now saves us in a corresponding way to Noah's family being saved by the ark? These are important questions, and over time, the church has given a few different answers to them. Indeed, two of the main creeds of the church, the Apostles' Creed and the Athanasian Creed, include the line, Christ descended to the dead, or into hell, or Hades, or inferno, depending on the translation. What is unclear is whether Christ went to Sheol, to the place of the dead, the holding place of the souls of the dead, to preach good news to those who had died and offer them a chance to repent, or whether he was present in the Spirit in some way in the preaching of Noah at the time. Or, thirdly, if he just went down to the nether regions of the world to declare his victory over the demonic spirits that have held humanity captive. I'm inclined to think that all three of these views are probably correct. An ancient hymn of the church offers us a poetic insight into the first interpretation. To earth hast thou come down, O master, to save Adam, 
and not finding him on earth, thou hast descended into hell, seeking him there. What is clear is that Christ, in enduring the sufferings of the cross, has been declared king over everything that exists, whether they be principalities and powers, angels, authorities, the spiritual forces of evil. Christ has utterly defeated all that is connected with Satan and his kingdom of lies and sin and death. So complete is his victory that prior to his death, he tells Peter that he will establish his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Have you guys heard that phrase before in the Gospels? Has that ever struck you as weird? The gates will not prevail against it? Gates are not offensive weapons. They don't prevail against anything. They're the last line of assault, of defense against an assaulting army, right? What Jesus is saying is Satan is already on the run, and his final holdout of death and hell, even that, will not be safe. Whatever is happening that Peter is describing in the place beyond the grave where the souls of the dead are, what is clear is that the gates of Hades have indeed not prevailed, but have been ripped open by Christ's victory against all spiritual forces that have set themselves against God and his anointed. In a few weeks, the church will sing out, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs, bestowing life. Christ seems to be humiliated on the cross, but he enters death in glory, destroying death itself. If we had been with St. Peter at the time of his writing this epistle and had been along with him immersed in the life of Israel's worship at the temple, we would have been very familiar with the sound of bleeding animals the metallic smell of blood heavy on the air, mixing with the smoke of flesh searing on the fires of the altar. The temple was effectively a slaughterhouse. The sacrificial system carried on dealing in blood and death and absolution day after day after day, and the blood would pool and start to flow in these gutters over and over and over again. And in contrast to that, St. Peter tells us that the power of Christ's sacrifice was such that it did not need to be offered again and again, but rather it was offered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, and in its offering all the powers of evil were defeated entirely. This work of Christ... This once-for-all work of Christ is the foundation of all that exists in the life of the church, not least of all the season of Lent and our observance of it, which is to say that we cannot come to the Lenten fast thinking that this is how we're going to close the gap between ourselves and God. If we fall into the trap of thinking that we're going to sort out our own alienation it may begin with an inflated sense of what we can accomplish, but it will quickly turn to despair. Because in this scheme, God could not be more distant, more disinclined to turn toward us. 
But in Christ, God has not approached us with hesitation or reservation. Christ plunges to the absolute lowest point of human existence. As David Fagerberg so poetically said, by the incarnation, Christ stooped down in order to put his shoulder under the human race and lift it up. But the footing he needed to accomplish this was in Hades. And when he pushed toward heaven again, its gates shattered. Lent must begin and end with a fixation on the work that Christ has performed in love. This is not to say that we have no participation, but our participation is to be rooted in love that is a response to love, not duty born out of guilt or fear. Lent is a reminder that when we journey away from God, we are journeying toward nothing but death. But in turning around, in repenting, we see the Father already sprinting toward us, throwing himself upon us, and welcoming us home. St. Isaac the Syrian understood the many ways that we torment ourselves with the guilt and shame of our sinfulness. He has a particular prayer that I love where he asks God to not reveal to him the entirety of his sinfulness because he knows he cannot handle it. I can relate. He said this, that when we are stirred by that recollection of our sins, which will raise doubt in our mind and will say to ourselves, will God, if I ask him, forgive me these things by which I am pained and by whose memory I am tormented? things by which, though I abhor them, I go on backsliding. Yet after they have taken place, the pain they give me is even greater than that of a scorpion sting. Though I abhor them, I am still in the middle of them. And when I repent of them with suffering, I wretchedly return to them again. St. Isaac says, this is how many God-fearing people think people who foster virtue and are pricked with the suffering of compunction, who mourn over their sin. They live between sin and repentance all the time. Let us not be in doubt, O fellow humanity, he says, concerning the hope of our salvation, seeing that he who bore sufferings for our sake is very concerned about our salvation. His mercifulness is far more extensive than we can conceive. His grace is greater than what we can ask for. The right hand of the Lord is stretched out night and day while he is on the lookout to support, comfort, and encourage everyone, especially to see if he can find any who endure even just a little suffering and grief so that their sins may be forgiven people who are grieved over the small portion of their righteousness. Friends, as we continue this Lenten season, one that Louis so astutely pointed out to us last week, seems to have begun a year ago and never ended. Let us remind one another in faith that Christ has descended into Hades seeking Adam and he will raise us all up with himself. The gentleness of Christ is without limit. 
Even now, he beckons us to open ourselves to his embrace and to lay down the burden of our failure and shame and to feast on his great love for us. Amen.